Hello, welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and this is Series 2, Episode 259 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we begin our study of September the 14th to September the 20th, 3rd Nephi 8 to 11, Arise and Come Forth Unto Me. I cannot wait to uh, study this section with you. This is really what we've been waiting for um, throughout the entire year because it is in this part of the Book of Mormon that we will have the pinnacle of this book, where the Saviour himself visits the Nephites and Lamanites in the Americas. And um, today we're going to focus on the section covering 3rd Nephi 8 to 10, If I repent, the Saviour will gather, protect and heal me, and also that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. So today we're going to take a bit of context, have a look at when this happens in relation to the calendar for for these people in the Americas, we're also going to look at uh, the actual disaster or the uh, signs of Christ's death, which leads to a lot of death and sorrow amongst these people. Then over the next couple of days, we'll have a look at the Saviour's words to these people about how they should have repented and he would be able to protect them. So that'll lead us through to Friday. And then on Saturday, we're going to have a look at... Um, well, on Friday and Saturday, we're going to have a look at the Saviour's um, introduction to the Nephites. And then Sunday, we've got a special treat. Uh, we've got a guest um, studier coming to join us as we talk about the Saviour's personal beginning of the ministry, his personal beginning of his ministry amongst the Nephites. So uh, today, yeah, we're looking at 3rd Nephi chapter 8. And I think that there's a lot of things that we can pick out here. Um First of all, uh, Mormon states that, uh, and now it came to pass, that according to our record, and we know it our, our record to be true, for behold, it was a just man who did keep the record, for he did truly did many miracles in the name of Jesus, and there was not any man who could do a miracle in the name of Jesus, save he were cleansed every whit from his iniquity. So Mormon, first of all, states the, uh, the, the truth of this record and how accurate it must have been because of the person that kept it. Uh, Joseph Field and McConkie said this, quote, it is an eternal principle that the powers of heaven are inseparably connected with righteousness. The working of miracles in the name of Jesus is an, is an evidence uh, from his that one is cleansed every whit from his iniquity, and thus worthy of the companionship of the Holy Ghost and powers of God. The wonders of God, the signs and miracles which always attended a, t- a dispensation of the gospel, require righteousness in the human instrument. Close quote. So the fact that this person is performing miracles, and I, I, well, we're not too sure who keeps this record. It could be Nephi, son of Nephi, but it's not actually stated. But whoever it is, is a righteous person. So we know that they are following the promptings of the spirits, and we know that they are, they, they see the value and the sacredness of the records that they are keeping. So we know that this event happens for the, for these people. In verse five, it says, in the thirtieth and fourth year, in the first month, on the fourth day of the month, there arose a great storm, such as one as never had been known in all the land. Now, obviously, uh, we know that according to our Gregorian calendar, that the uh, crucifixion of the Saviour took place in springtime, which would be around kind of March, April time. And um, obviously, that isn't the first month for us. But if you have a look at the Hebrew calendar, which is likely what these these people will have been using or, or a variation of such because that is, you know, the land where their, their, their forefathers came from. Um, this actually falls exactly where we would expect the crucifixion to be. Daniel H. Ludlow said, quote, according to the Nephite calendar system, the Saviour was crucified in the 30th and 4th year. 
Although we are not in the first month, although we are not certain when the first month of the Nephite calendar would occur, if the Nephites were using the same calendar system as the Hebrews, the first month would be in the spring of the year sometime between about the middle of March and the middle of April, close quote. We know that uh, the Nephites were using some ancient Hebrew customs and timings, uh, looking at Passover and things like that. So this this again shows another evidence of the, the truth of the the origins of the Book of Mormon, and again, I'm not I'm not certain Joseph Smith knew about the ancient Hebrew calendar and things like that when he was writing it, uh, and so again, it just shows another evidence of the the Lord's hand being in this. Um, now let's have a look at the actual destruction itself. It says in verse eleven uh, in chapter eight, and there was a great ter- and terrible destruction in the land southward. Um, there are a lot of things here that happen, uh, lots of fire, lots of. Um, thunder, lots of um, mudslides and things like that. Alvin K. Benson says this, quote, many earthquakes and or aftershocks accompanied the eruption and mud and debris flowed, flows changed the surrounding landscape for miles around. The similarities in these, these descriptions to the events in 3rd Nephi 8 to 10 are striking. Earthquakes, fire, tumultuous noises, sharp lightning, Darkness, suffocating vapours of smoke, aftershocks and geological upheaval over large areas, close quote. Alvin K. Benson was talking about a huge volcanic um, event or, or catastrophic event which um, had aftershocks, eruptions, mud and debris flows, vapours, um, thunder and lightning and so on. And this is very similar to the events that in 3rd Nephi 8-10. Um, which leads us to think that this possibly was a huge volcanic event which led to these um, kind of aftershocks and events that the Nephites had to endure. Uh, We read that in verse 19, it came to pass that when the thunderings and the lightnings and the storm and the tempest and the quakings of the earth did cease, for behold, they did last for about the space of three hours, and it was said that by some the great time was greater. Nevertheless, all these great and terrible things were done in about the space of three hours. And then behold, there was darkness upon the face of the land. So we, we get an outline of exact of the events that happen. Um, and Alvin K. Alvin K. Benson further says, quote, The ash from a volcano can rise to great heights, many thousands of feet, and then spread out in the stratosphere to cover a large region with an impenetrable cloud of dust. Volcanic ash, smoke and gases along with dust and debris rising into the air from a large earthquake, could have produced the vapour of darkness spoken of in 3rd Nephi 8.20. Furthermore, volcanic ash and lava can be carried up to various cities, and Nephi records Nephi records that the earth was carried up on the city Moronihar, and not down, as one would expect in a landslide. That is a very particularly interesting um, point, because we think about, you know, a, a city being covered by the earth would be like a huge mudslide or something like that. But if you look in verse 10, it says it very differently. Of 3rd Nephi 8, it says, And the earth was carried up upon the city of Moronihar, but in the place of the city that there became a great mountain. Um, so, you know, and obviously it's recorded that these kind of things did happen with these huge volcanic events. So it was likely volcanic activity in that area, which again, thinking of the um, the geographical location of where we think the Book of Mormon lands were, Central South America, there are plenty of um, sites where this could have taken place. Um, now, obviously, um, we know that the Saviour is the light of the world, which is why it's so fitting and so relevant that after his death, 
after the three hours of um, destruction, there was those three days of darkness. Again, that number three being very significant. It says, and it came to pass that it did last for the space of three days that there was no light seen. And there was great mourning and howling and weeping among all the people continually. Yea, great were the groanings of the people because of the darkness and the great destruction which had come upon them. It isn't a coincidence that this darkness followed uh, because the light of the world had been extinguished. Virginia, Virginia U. Jensen said this, quote, How fitting that the Saviour's birth in Bethlehem was accompanied by miraculous displays of light in the Western Hemisphere. At the time of his birth, at the going down of the sun, there was no darkness, and the people began to be astonished because there was no darkness in all that night. This celebration of light stood in stark contrast to that which occurred at his crucifixion when there was a thick darkness upon all the face of the land, insomuch that the inhabitants thereof could feel the vapour of darkness. There are all kinds of darkness in this world. Darkness that comes from sin, darkness that comes from discouragement, disappointment and despair, darkness that comes from loneliness and feelings of inadequacy, just as the light that burned in Josh Dennis's heart was stronger than the suffocating darkness that engulfed him. The light of Jesus Christ is stronger than any darkness we face in this life. If we have faith in him, seek after him and obey him. Close quote. Uh, Josh Janice must have uh, been a person that was spoken of in that talk that she gave. But we get the idea that this light uh, was seen in in abundance at the Saviour's birth. But then, the, but then all light was extinguished at his death, uh, as if the earth was mourning his loss. Uh, and the people then start to repent. In verse 25, it says, Oh, that we had repented before this great and terrible day and had not stoned the prophets and cast them out. Then would our mothers and our fair daughters and our children have been spared and not been buried up in that great city Moroni are. And thus were the howlings of the people great and terrible. Um, I do think it's interesting that um, the people were mourning and, and hoping that they had repented. There's a quote by N. Eldon Tanner, which I'm not going to share now. I'll, I'll post it into the show notes, but it's very um, interesting with this. But um, it's fascinating that the people wish they had repented. I don't think that they for one second thought that it, was, it would have stopped the destruction or anything like that. But I do think that um, the people clearly understood that if they had repented, then perhaps their loved ones or those that they, knew, that they knew would have been saved. Of course, those people that had stayed on the earth were more righteous than the ones that had had been destroyed. So uh, that is something that they were fearful and, and concerned about. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed this study. Please do follow, uh, share the, um, the podcast and review it. You can follow us on Church of Jesus Christ Study, set, study Session at G- you can email ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you'd like to share feedback or join a future podcast episode. And you can follow the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. It'd be great to hear what you've been studying. Thank you very much for listening and until we meet again.